Hello, welcome to Lunchtime Babbling. My name is Shay Brown. I'm the CEO of Babel AI, a company that audits algorithms for bias, ethical risk, and good governance. So today it's just just going to be me, um, and I wanted to take a little time to talk about risk management, and I think uh, in the context of AI, and I think it's a good time to talk about that, mostly because of the huge amount of guidance that is now coming out. Um, that and also the fact that AI uh, risk management is something that is is being baked into a lot of the regulations and laws that are that are have passed and are and are going to be passed uh, and and put into effect. So, um, I think the biggest event that has happened uh, regarding risk management, of course, has been the NIST uh, AI risk management framework. So this uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, they had a big event. They released their sort of final version of it. Um, and there was a long stakeholder process uh, leading up to that. Babel had submitted uh, comments about the risk management framework. And they engaged a lot of stakeholders to come up with this uh, framework. And so I think that the, you know, if you're looking for a, a place to, to start or, or a standard to look at for risk management, the NIST framework is uh, a really good place to start, but they're not the only ones, and there's uh, a lot more uh, coming out. And so, what I'd like to do today is is talk very, uh, very generally about sort of what's going on with risk management, uh, AI risk management, what's out there, and uh, maybe where one might want to start when when thinking about this process. So. Um, let me first, uh, I'm going to share my screen here. So hopefully um, we can get this working. Okay, so let me first say, let's, let's first take a look at the, the AI uh, risk management framework. That's not it. Here we go. Okay, so um, this is the document. And so... Uh, you know, this is a, has a lot of information here. But uh, one of the things that is most, well, let, let's start with, with sort of some of the important characteristics that they, they talk about. And so what you can see here, and hopefully people can see this, and by the way, uh, this is going to be really, as always, these are super informal, relaxed, uh, and if you have comments for me, like, please put them in the Q&A, or if you have something that you want me to talk about or, or some, a question you want me to answer or uh, address, um, please let me know. So um, in the NIST framework, the characteristics that they're really focusing on, and this is, this is very general. I don't think anybody would disagree with any of these uh, uh, characteristics. So uh, at a foundational level, they're really uh, focusing or they really think that one of the most uh, important characteristics is that it's valid and reliable. And so the way they've outlined it here, uh, you know, this is this sort of is the underpinning of many of the other ones. And I think this was a good, this is a good conceptual move because uh, at the core of it, we use AI because we think it is going to to bring us some benefit. It's going to do something that we couldn't do before. As humans, we could it could be done faster, and uh, it has some relevance to the real world. And so, uh, a tool that is valid and is reliable in the sense that you can you can rely on the fact that you're getting um, getting results, which actually mean something, is kind of the underpinning of everything else. If you don't have a valid and reliable tool, then why use it? And so, I think this was an important. Uh, this is an, was an important uh, conceptual move on their part to really highlight this need because uh, I think you all know that a lot of the negative press that has come out uh, regarding AI has come from tools which were sort of developed and deployed in uh, very rapidly and not necessarily uh, uh, valid or reliable and the information that you get from them is not valid or reliable. And so this is the underpinning. Now, once you have a tool that is valid and reliable, meaning it's something that is uh, of value to your organization, then you have these other characteristics that you would like 
in order to make these things trustworthy. So safety uh, is, of course, a very important one. And safety here, I think, is meant in a, in a very broad context. It's not just, let's say, physical safety. It could also mean psychological safety. And uh, you want um, users of the system and, the, and people who interact with the system to be safe and to feel safe. And so safety is an important one. Now, of course, when you're talking about things like autonomous vehicles or AI that's being deployed in a physical setting, then physical safety is a, is a serious uh, concern. Now, secure and, and, and uh, uh, resilient, this is, think about this like in a sort of a cybersecurity context, like uh, you want that system to, and the information that that system contains to be secure and resilient to, let's say, adversarial attacks or events which may be um, outside its normal operating uh, sort of parameters. And so uh, this is another thing that you would expect from trustworthy AI. Explainable and interpretable. Um, I think this this probably goes without saying and, uh, that you want these systems to be able to, uh, you want some explanation as to why the decision uh, was what it was at that moment. And you want to be able to interpret what went into that decision. And in some, in some situations, this will be more or less important. I think there are use cases where this is critically important um, regarding uh, legal requirements, regarding human agency. Uh, but, and there are others that this is less important, but I think it is, when you think about trustworthy AI, you need some level of explainability uh, and interpretability. Uh, privacy. Uh, they sort of call out privacy enhanced here. They call out the fact that um, privacy is a fundamental right and it is something that uh, that we value and that, and that is something that we need to have in order to be trustworthy, fair, uh, so with harmful bias managed. So, you know, here they they have both fairness and bias uh, in the in the title. And that's good because bias and fairness are, are distinct, but they are related in a lot of ways. And then accountable and transparent is shown here on the side because uh, this cuts across all of these. So it's actually a really nice diagram and it's a nice conceptual framework for thinking about what is required of trustworthy AI. And trustworthy AI has been talked about a lot. I mean, in the EU, uh, trustworthy AI has been a theme for a long time and it's motivated things like the EU AI Act. And so um, this is just a formalization of that. And so for those who might just be joining, we are talking about the, the uh, NIST risk management framework. Um, just a real overview. I'm not going to go over all of this. I just want to sort of highlight uh, what's available here. And so um, they go through all of these, uh, these characteristics and then they eventually get to the actual uh, core of the process itself. And so this, this is what the risk management uh, framework core. Um, and it really is made up of four functions. So these are, uh, these are functions that uh, will be doing activities within this risk management framework. And at the center of them, uh, you have governance and I think Again, this um, a lot of this is very intuitive. Let's see here. Oop. There we go. So uh, governance. Um, this is the this is the thing that, of course, is going to be managing all of these other these other functions. So you have govern, you have map, measure, and manage. And in some sense, um, even though there's no arrows on here, uh, in some sense, I feel like uh, intuitively map is something that comes uh, before measure, which comes before manage. But I think um, in reality, the way this is going to work is that there's going to be a reflective equilibrium between all of these. Um, and uh, governance, setting up governance structures for those is, um, you know, has to happen First, in the, in the sense that you have, have some structure for this, and then you're going to have to iterate and change the governance structure depending on what you find out in the mapping process. So 
the mapping process is really exactly what it sounds. It's the context is, context is recognized and risks are uh, identified. So this is something that we're actually very familiar with at Babel because you know, we perform uh, risk assessments a lot and that's really the, the outlining the context is the, is the first thing that we do. And, and so we can call it mapping if we want. Um, we call it uh, the context, but it's really just looking at how is this system being used for what purpose where is it? What are the components of that system, both socio both technical and sort of socio technical, like who's interacting with it? And in that process, uh, you can identify risks related to to that process. Now, the map process is not. I think that they're identifying potential risks. This is not necessarily zeroing in on on actual risks, but these are potential risks. And then the measure uh, is. Um, identified risks are analyzed, assessed, analyzed, and tracked. Uh, and so this is a lot more of the both quantitative and qualitative uh, sort of defining of metrics uh, and actually uh, um, measuring those metrics. And then the managed part is uh, risks are prioritized and acted upon based on projected impact. And so most of this resembles very closely what we would call a risk or impact assessment. Um, for a socio-technical system, where you are you're defining the context, you're looking at the socio-technical system uh, at large, identifying potential risk, you're measuring what the potential, uh, the probability that those risks might actually happen, and then you start managing those risks. You start uh, trying to figure out ways in which you can minimize that risk, and they go on and talk about the fact that there are residual risks um, after this happens. Okay, so I have a, yeah, so there will be a copy of this video. Um, and so I just had a question about that. Um, and let me whoop, clear that out. Okay, so yeah, this will be posted on, uh, on YouTube. Um, so this is good. So uh, in some sense, this just this is really useful as a conceptual framework. But of course, uh, NIST uh, attempts to give uh, much more detailed guidance. And so they talk uh, a lot about all th four of these functions. And that's really the core of what the risk management framework is about. They also have a playbook, what's called a playbook, which has m even more detailed information uh, about what, um, uh, how to actually implement these. Um, and that's, I'm not showing that here. But here they t really talk about what the, these govern function, uh, what this govern function does, and all of the other functions. And they have different categories and subcategories. So for instance, uh, I'll just go through a couple here. Um, govern one, so policies, uh, processes, procedures, and practices across the organization related to the mapping, measuring, and managing of AI risk are in place, transparent, and implemented effectively. And so that's a, that's a lot, that's a big ask. And so they have subcategories. So legal and regulatory requirements involving AI are understood, managed, and documented. Characteristics of trustworthy AI are integrated into organizational policies, processes, procedures, and practices. Um, and then it keeps going. And so they also have, uh, in addition to this, you know, different actors who perform different duties within this risk management framework. And they outline uh, exactly not exactly. They outline these actors roughly and what they they can and should do. And so an important thing to uh, understand about this risk management framework is that it's voluntary uh, and it's meant to be flexible. So what that means is for your organization, uh, depending on how you use AI uh, or how you develop AI potentially, you are going to use some of these elements more than other elements. And so it's really meant to be flexible in that way. So there has to be a process early on for uh, mapping basically the risks that are out there for your, for your organization regarding your use or development of AI, and then selecting what's relevant of this framework for you. And it depends a lot on the size of the organization, what your resources are. And so it's really meant to be uh, quite flexible.
And my expectation is that, and I think everybody's expectation is that this risk management framework will become a standard, not just in the United States. It's likely going to become um, at least the base of a standard globally. Now, uh, that being said, there's more activity going on than just the NIST risk management framework. So uh, at some point, I probably will have a, uh, a webinar where I just go over some of these frameworks sort of one at a time uh, and, and go over some of the details of them uh, in, in a more practical way. But right now, I'm just sort of doing a survey of what's out there. So in addition to NIST, uh, we also have, um, let me go here, ISO. So ISO has also just recently released, and I think maybe the release date is here, well, February of this year. Um, and so this month has released uh, ISO 23894. Um, and so this is information technology and it's artificial intelligence guidance uh, on risk management. And so I actually haven't uh, purchase this this uh, standard yet. I'm going to because it's clearly going to be relevant. Um, but uh, ISO, it's important to know that ISO has a standard out there. And so I'm really curious to see the extent to which ISO and NIST uh, align. I'm assuming that they do, especially given that the NIST framework is quite general. Um, and it does take into consideration other kinds of risk management frameworks like uh, COSO, uh, and also ISO risk management frameworks in other areas besides artificial intelligence. And so I, I would be surprised if they deviated significantly from each other. But it's important to be aware that there is another standard out there. Um, and uh, I'm sure there's going, to be, uh, there's going to be more. So speaking of more, let's, uh, let's keep going because the... Let's find one here. Let me scroll to the top of this. And I will put links to this in the YouTube channel. So for, so for all of these resources, I will provide links. So uh, keep an eye out um, for, for my, my posting the link to the YouTube channel, and I'll, I'll put all of these here. So the EU AI Act, of course, um, is very comprehensive in its requirements. Now, it's still being uh, deliberated on. Still, it's still not settled exactly what the EU AI Act will require. However, um, it does already have a lot of language, which I'm sure is going to stick around regarding its risk management framework. And so that it's going to require, and it is going to require risk management for AI systems. Um, let, me just, uh, let me just check the questions for a second here. All right, I will come, I will come back to that question in a minute um, about the about the roles. So, okay. Um, so, how do you get a handle on what the EU AI Act is going to require? So, there's several ways. Um, one is there's a really good paper that has just recently come out, uh, and I have I show it right here, which is talking about risk management in the in Artificial Intelligence Act. And I'm not going to go over this paper again. I will link it, but this is. If you want a, a really well-referenced paper, you can you can tell when the footnotes are larger than the actual text that it's a real academic paper. But um, it's it's very well uh, well researched, and and so this paper goes. Let me scroll down into something. So the regulatory concept, the purpose of a risk management framework, scope of application. Um, let's see if we can get to something. A little juicier. Yeah, okay. So, you know, uh, this is an overview of risk management processes described in Article 9. Um, and it, it also reflects ISO uh, guidance. And so, you know, the EU AI Act is going to require a lot. And um, what it's going to require is more detailed, or more, I shouldn't say more detailed, more specific than what NIST has in its framework. And so uh, what that means is you, if you're a company that's operating in Europe, you can't necessarily just take this voluntary framework, implement it without having an eye on other regulations because you may 
deem some things are, are not relevant for your organization when it turns out that some other regulations are going to decide for you that they, are, they should be relevant and you should um, actually implement those. And so um, I would recommend this as a really good resource, this paper. Let me scroll all the way to the top so you can see it. But again, I will. Uh, this is Risk Management in the Artificial Intelligence, Intelligence Act. Um, another place that's really uh, a, a really good place to look for risk management framework is, um, let me put this down, is over here. And that is For Humanity. So For Humanity, uh, I've talked about For Humanity before. I'm a fellow at For Humanity. It's a nonprofit that uh, develops guidance and more particularly develops auditing uh, standards for uh, algorithmic systems. However, because uh, lots of these regulations require risk management frameworks, including the AI Act, um, For Humanity has developed and done a lot of work on risk management. And so the risk management framework that For Humanity has developed, this is just a sort of a front page of it. There's a whole uh, detailed uh, document. There's a, a, a YouTube link here. They have the four layers of defense. Um, and so th there's a huge amount of information here. And so if you and what For Humanity is doing is that they've also mapped this onto the EU AI Act. And they're very active with tracking the changes to the EU AI Act. And so they're making sure that their risk management framework uh, aligns with that. It also aligns with uh, the COSO framework and so standard sort of enterprise risk management principles. Um, they look at model risk management principles. Of course, NIST also did this as well. And so uh, this is another resource if you're interested in the AI Act and risk management framework in that particular context. I definitely recommend checking out uh, For Humanities guidelines. So, okay, so in summary, so far, uh, risk management is going to be something that all organizations which are using and deploying AI are going to have to engage in at some level. Uh, it's Right now, it's, it's uh, not a requirement in uh, very many places. And I'll talk about one place where it is going to be a requirement very soon. But it's going to be as soon as the AI Act passes. And uh, likely, it's going to be de facto required in procurement process. So what I envision happening is that large organizations think the, the Googles and the Microsofts uh, are going to demand... Uh, that their vendors, the ones who supply AI to them, uh, will adhere to some risk management framework when they're developing AI. And so that's going to de facto uh, force uh, people who deploy, uh, develop AI to follow these risk management practices at some level. Now, to the extent to which you have to document it uh, might vary depending on the organization. And depending on jurisdiction, the extent you have to document it and actually engage in it will vary. Um, so let me talk about one jurisdiction which is starting to actually do this. And so, and this is in the context of uh, insurance. And so what I have here is this is a, a Colorado law. This is Senate Bill 21-169. And this is a law which has passed and so Colorado has passed this law, and this is the this is the actual act here. And let me just scroll down to. There's lots of things that it prohibits. So if you're an insurer that uh, is using what they call sort of external data sources, uh, then and using predictive models for those, you're going to have to do a lot of documentation. You're going to have to do a lot of disclosures, and you're going to have to ensure that they're not discriminatory in the same way of course, that any other uh, insurance underwriting practices should not be discriminatory. So that goes, uh, I, it doesn't go without saying because they have to make a law to really point that out. And that's something that's been a common theme. Even though these um, anti-discrimination laws have been on the books for a very long time, um, in the context of AI, I think state and local governments and eventually the federal government uh, has to make it explicit that these tools have to, of course, follow uh, and adhere to the anti-discrimination laws. But that's what Colorado is doing. Um, 
a lot about the stakeholder process. All right, but here's the here's the important bit, is that uh, it, they also have to establish and maintain a risk management framework or similar process or procedures that are that are reasonably designed to determine, to the extent practical, whether insurers use of external customer data and information sources, as well as algorithms and predictive models using external customer data. Uh, unfairly discriminates based on race, color, national or ethnic origin, religion, sex, sexual orientation, disability, gender identity, or gender expression. So um, this is a requirement uh, under this law. Um, rules adopted pursuant to this section must require each insurer to establish this risk management framework. So uh, it's becoming real now. And they, through the stakeholder process, they, let's find here, through the stakeholder process, uh, they have sort of, they're rolling out these, so th this is now law, this is not, uh, this is not a bill, this is something that has been enacted in law, and now uh, the Department of Regulatory Agencies Division of Insurance is rolling out regulations for what exactly does that mean, and here is the first one, and that what they've done is they have sort of focused on different areas of insurance, sort of one at a time, um, and so this is for life insurance uh, and life insurance underwriting. And uh, what is interesting is that they go through, uh, in Section 5, Governance and Risk Management Framework. And so here, this is one of those cases where they have been very explicit uh, and just like, you, you know, you can't just implement... The, um, some version of the NIST risk management framework and assume that you're good in the EU, uh, it's, you also have to be careful to make sure that you're good in other places like Colorado, for instance. Now, this is not; these rules have not been passed. And in fact, you can comment on these. And I think the deadline for commenting is a week from now. And I think we're going we're gonna to comment on this, um, assuming we have time. So... Um, and there's actually quite a bit of specificity that they that they talk about, and so there's uh, there's really kind of ten things that that need to be uh, need to be done, or these, this risk management framework has to have for people who are using uh, these systems. In fact, maybe it might be easier if I go to um, if I go to let's let's find this yeah let's let's do this instead so I'm going to do a slideshow yeah I'll just do it like this okay so um, this says landscape of AI risk but this is the this is the Colorado uh, this is the Colorado sort of 10 things that that these risk management frameworks have to have. And so let's take a look at the specificity here. And I actually, I have to say, I actually like what they've done. I feel like they've, they've covered a lot of the, the main bullet points and they've also done it in a really practical way in the sense that they just go and tell you what to do. Um, and by doing these 10 things, you will have covered most of what the NIST, uh, NIST would, would want you to do. Now, that being said, you can do these at, at various levels and if you kind of phone it in, so to speak, to fill in all 10, then you're not going to be following NIST because NIST is a lot more high level and conceptual uh, and requires um, and and also requires a lot of careful thinking. When I say high level and conceptual, I mean you actually have to really conceive of these issues and, and think through them carefully. Okay, so uh, you have to have documented uh, governance, uh, governing principles. So... Uh, Documented governing principles. And this is actually uh, a really good place to start. Uh, I think that having, um, having principles in place, I mean, there's a big, um, there's been a big move recently away from principles because everybody uh, and their brother came out with principles uh, for the last five years or so. And uh, we don't need any more, more principles. Like in terms of, we don't need another white paper talking about AI ethics principles. However, when you're talking about at an organizational level, like what is your organization going to do in practice 
to manage and govern risk related to AI, it's really important to have these governing principles, have your principles, like in the, your context, in the context of your organization, what their values are and what you're trying to promote as an organization. So having those governing principles in place is required by this Colorado law, but I also think it's recommended to do uh, as sort of an early step. Um, you have to have some board or executive oversight. So what, what this basically means is you can't just say, hey, Joe, in, uh, in the data science group, go do this, and then that's it. And then you just sort of call it a day. There has to be some oversight at the, at the upper levels, so either board or executive oversight. And I think this is critical because you have to have buy-in in the whole organization. And so there has to be either a board or an executive champion for this whole process that also provides oversight. Um, Cross-functional algorithm and predictive model governance committees. This is something that will make for humanity very happy because the for all the for humanity frameworks are um, really require or recommend uh, committees that are going to deliberate on this. And cross-functional and diverse, I, I would also include diverse there, uh, committees are going to be critical for this. Like you can't have just one pair of eyes thinking about these issues you or uh, you need to have more perspectives and cross-functional can't just be data scientists can't just be lawyers can't just be product people you have to have them all at the table to think about this in a kind of holistic way and so none of this is uh none of this is crazy or uh uh out of line in terms of what they need to do so you have to have documented roles and responsibilities for oversight within the development team so this is really focusing on the uh on the development teams themselves. So these are the teams that are either implementing or uh, developing uh, it's development. So it's, they're developing these tools. So there's a little bit of a potential problem here because if you are using uh, some third party tool, then this becomes difficult. And so that they sort of address that in, in a minute here. Um, but having documented roles and responsibilities. So that means that it, it, you, you know exactly who's responsible for what. And I think that's critical. And in fact, when we do our audits, uh, even for New York City, which doesn't require this sort of thing, we require that people have these documented roles. We want to know who is the person who's responsible. Show us, some, so show us some evidence that they actually have this role and that they've actually carried out this role. And so this is an important thing, I think, uh, for everyone. Um, policies and procedures for the design, testing, evaluation, monitoring of these predictive models and the use of the data. So this means you've got to have some standard procedures. You can't, you can't just uh, sort of wing it, so to speak, and sort of do a fast, uh, let's say, agile process to do it, but then not have um, any procedures for really testing and monitoring these models in the context of risk. Uh, controls to prevent unauthorized access. I think this uh, this is good practice anyway, but they're you know they're being quite specific about having these controls in place. Uh, so supervision and training program for the use of the models, including issues around bias and potential unfair discrimination. And so here, this is something that is going to be required by the EU AI Act anyway. And so uh, for everybody, not just for life insurance uh, life insurance vendors. Um, or, or people who use life insurance or offer life insurance. So this is going to be required anyway. And so uh, having that training for people who use these is going to be important. So this is a, this is a heavy lift, right? So this is one of those ones that I'm, I'm guessing there'll be some there has been some pushback on. Um, but this is a heavy lift. But you do need to have some minimal level at least of training for people who use these tools to make sure that they understand things like selection bias or automation bias or confirmation bias and how that might play into the use of these tools in addition to what's the potential for the tool itself to be actually biased. So um, all relevant and important stuff. Uh, processes and protocols in place for addressing uh, consumer complaints and inquiries. This again uh, is an, an important but it's again hyper specific compared to what um, you might potentially land on if you were just to take the NIST risk management framework and go through a process of identifying what's relevant to you, you might not have 
selected this one. And so you do have to keep your eyes open for other regulations uh, because other regulations may choose for you what you need to do. Response plan for unintended consequences. This is um, this is important. This is part of that that uh, manage uh, function within the NIST risk management framework. Um, you need to have a plan. You need to manage those risks. And a risk is a risk because there's a possibility it might happen. And even if you mitigate it, right, there is always potentially residual risk associated with that. So the residual risk is stuff that you just can't manage. And so if there's some, however small, likelihood that something may happen, some unintended consequence might happen. If it's foreseeable but unintended, you kind of need to have a response plan for some of these. Or for even for some un unforeseeable uh, things, you have to sort of have some, some uh, emergency plan for what's going to happen. And then you have to engage uh, outside experts for, for performing audits when internal resources are insufficient. This one, uh, you know, I, I might... I might think like I want to comment on this a little bit, given that I, you know, our company would be one of these outside experts. I think uh, using the word audit here is a little bit uh, maybe assessment, because uh, my guess is that what they're talking about is that if you don't have the internal resources, so let's say you're, a, you know, a ten to twenty person AI startup. And you have some insurance underwriting algorithm that is really powerful, or, you, or, or you're trying to, uh, you know, you're selling this to insurers. Um, you may not have the internal capability to implement all of this, and so. But what you don't want is for someone to come and audit you, uh, and then you fail the audit. So for audit is really like we're checking for compliance against the standard. Um, what you really need is an assessment, somebody to come in assess it, and then actually help you implement this. So I think it's more of a, you know, this, uh, I wouldn't call it an audit. That's a small issue. Uh, and I think what they, I think they mean the second thing. Uh, but, um, but in any case, get outside help. You know, if you can't, if you don't have internal resources to do this, you know, please engage with other people who do have those resources or do have that knowledge that can help you. So um, let me escape from this so uh so the colorado law uh is extremely detailed and um and also quite practical so here you have to uh, you have to uh again worry about other um jurisdictions the eu is going to have its own risk management framework requirements uh you have to make sure that you are covering those if you're going to operate in, in european union there are other sort of specific risk management practices in different industries. So here we see one from in di different jurisdictions. So here we have one from Colorado and uh, and in the insurance, life insurance in this case, but it will be all insurance uh, very soon that has very specific requirements. And so, I mean, the ideal thing is that you are paying attention to all of this. Uh, and of course, not every organization can do that. So um, let me point out some, some resources that also we have. So, you know, we've done as an organization, Babel and we, uh, Babel AI has a, um, has a research and education division, which, uh, does research on AI governance, on algorithm auditing. Um, and, uh, we also offer educational resources, courses, um, cheat sheets, which is what I'm showing you here. We, we did a quite extensive project um, mapping sort of AI governance uh, controls. So like what's out there, kind of trying to figure out the state of the art for what are companies using uh, for AI governance. Uh, and there's lots of different functions. There's lots of different controls that they could use and how effective they saw this. And I'll make this available as well. Uh, it's publicly available on our GitHub site, but I'll, I'll put the link in the YouTube channel. Um, but we we think that there there's sort of a there's a standard procedure. If you haven't done this, if you're an organization that hasn't uh, started on this process, then there's sort of a natural progression for how you do this. Now, um, and so this is a this is one of our cheat sheets. We call it a how-to guide on AI governance, a to-do list for starting your responsible AI journey. So. 
the basic idea is that we just sort of outline the steps that we have seen from our research and working with clients is sort of like the ground floor for what you need to do. And the first step is to assemble this, a cross-functional committee. And this, uh, of course, all of these are functions. These risk management is a function, is a process that has to happen. That process has to happen, uh, be done by people. So the very first step is identifying those people. Like, so this is day zero. You're sending out an email. Who's responsible for this? Who's the one that's going to drive it? Ideally, there's some executive or board level sort of champions or, that have oversight over this process, but there will be a functional person who is responsible for uh, sort of leading the day-to-day -day work of this. And that person needs to assemble a cross-functional team committee. And, and cross-functional is really important. Ensure you have a diverse and multidisciplinary team. You want legal in there, that's gotta happen. You want technical, because you're gonna be dealing with socio-technical systems. You want compliance, product, and ideally people with ethical expertise. It's not always easy to find, but, but ideally you want those people in the room if you can. And then, uh, I mean, the first thing they should do is uh, get a charter and a remit to ensure that the committee has some power. You know, so you need to figure out what is this committee able to do within the organization? What's its remit? Uh, and what, it, what are its goals? What's it trying to do? Um, the next thing, and this is very similar to what Colorado has, has recommended uh, in their guidelines or in their requirements rather, is to develop and publish AI ethics principles. So these are principles that are going to govern how you operate and what are the sort of, what's the end state? What's the goal of this whole process? Uh, and so you want to base that on broader corporate values, uh, you know, have a statement of values that you actually have that's written that people can go read. Um, and other commitments that you have, like what are your commitments? You know, you have values, values will lead to principles and principles, uh, there'll be commitments based on those principles for uh, ethical and responsible AI. And th then you should probably publish and promote those. And this is, this is uh, our view on that. Uh, you need to publish it at least internally to the organization so that everybody knows exactly what the guidelines, what the uh, sort of values are. And the, and the commitments are, and then you can start building some capacity, building some, at least some sort of institutional awareness of, of the, this, uh, this function. The next thing, and this depends a little bit on the size of the organization, is of course you need to have an inventory of what algorithmic systems you're actually using. Because uh, in a big organization, there might be uh, many thousands, and for smaller organizations, still there might be many uses of AI that you this committee might want to uh, opine upon and uh, you, do, you don't even know it. It could be your marketing team is using some AI tool uh, for, for uh, serving um, their marketing material and you might want to worry about that. You want, might want to worry about how is this AI t tool being used, what risks are there to people who are uh, using it, what reputational risks, what liability risks might be, might be there. And so um, you got to have have an inventory. And ideally, you'd like the developer procure some sort of tooling to make this inventory dynamic. You want to be able to sort of keep this dynamic, keep it versioned, visible and accessible to everybody in that committee and also the people who sort of own these automated decision systems. So I think um, you can build it yourself if you want, but there are some amazing companies out there that have sort of SaaS uh, platforms that do exactly this sort of thing, uh, plus other other stuff. And so uh, I would look to get some tooling to have this, at, at the very least, it will be a spreadsheet to start with. But then you as you grow in this process, you might want to start to consider tools. So step four is the meat of everything here, uh, deploy a first round of minimal policies and procedures. So you got to start with something. And so uh, develop a risk review process. So you got to You've got a map. This is the sort of the beginning of the map function. If you're thinking about it in this in the uh, the NIST uh, framework, um, you got to be able to figure out what are our main risks, uh, you know, and then conduct an initial risk assessment for each of these AEDTs or not AEDTs, ADSs, automated decision systems, in your inventory, and sort of rank them according to risks. Like which ones are the most risky, and what are the risks that are are the most risky there. And then once you do that, and this is going to be, you're not going to be great at it in the beginning, I'll be honest. 
you just do the best that you can. And then you establish risk relevant metrics or KPIs. Okay, so you want to know what am I going to measure uh, both quantitatively and qualitatively? What things do I want to record and document? Uh, and at, at, in order to sort of keep an eye on these systems and the risks that we've identified. And, and what cadence do you want to meet and review these things? What are the, the thresholds for that? And then, of course, we have some example policy lists like reporting bias KPIs, uh, risk review. Uh, you know, you want to have a policy and process. You want to have a trigger for that to happen. So, so you have the policy and the process. What is it that you need to do? How, when do you need to do it? What's going what's gonna to trigger this process to actually happen? It could be uh, on a timely, like uh, every month, every year. It could be when something happens, like a KPI goes out of line. Uh, how are you going to document it? What's the documentation process? Uh, and then who's sort of accountable for it, right? Who's the one who's responsible for making sure this happens? Um, and then there's a bunch, we also have a, a bunch of, uh, of uh, controls and there's many controls and this comes from our research. And a lot of these will be, can fit into different parts of the NIST risk management framework or any of these risk management frameworks in terms of govern, uh, map, measure and monitor. Uh, this is a sort of a, they cover all of those. It, it crosses all of those. Then there's different kinds of testing. There's ethical training. There's different ways in which you communicate across an organization that are, that are, are more or less conducive for managing risk. Okay. So I'm going to pause here for a second and uh, ask if there are any questions. So if you have questions, feel free to, uh, uh, pop them in the Q and a, and so let me just summarize uh, a little bit. We have AI risk management is going to be required. Uh, it's already required. We've just seen one example with the Colorado law. It's already passed that that is going to be a requirement. They're just working out the details of what exactly that requirement looks like, but it is law and it will come into effect. Um, and the AI, EU AI Act has risk management in it, pretty significant uh, requirements for risk management. And uh, and that's unlikely to change. Some of the details of what exactly is required for reporting uh, and what exactly you're required to do might change, but it's not going to change significantly. And uh, I think that we're going to see that this will be driven, even if the laws don't require these uh, explicitly or if there aren't more laws that require these specifically you will see that large uh large organizations enterprise uh, organizations are going to start requiring that their vendors adhere to some risk management framework so um we have a lot of options for what to consider i think the what is probably going to be the gold standard for now is the nist risk management framework that is very dynamic very flexible not dynamic. It's very flexible, uh, and in that it's 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 uh, voluntary, and you can you're meant to adapt it to your organization. However, there are other options. ISO has a risk management framework, which we're going to explore the extent to that it, there's a lot of overlap, and my guess is that there's a significant amount of overlap. Uh, For Humanity has guidelines. There are many organizations that are working on these sorts of guidelines. Colorado law has very specific guidelines, which are actually quite good. Um, and we offer some sort of uh, really uh, sort of starter guidelines if you're wondering how do you even get started in this process. Uh, but the point is, you got to get started on this process because it is not going anywhere. And just like enterprise risk management uh, is an important part of running a business, um, given that AI is is going to be infused into everything it already is it's happening but it's just going to get it's going to get i wouldn't say worse it's going to get uh, more prolific and so uh you're going to see it everywhere and so just like enterprise risk management is, is critically important for running your business ai risk management as part of your enterprise risk management is going to be re both required and sensible to do so um I'm going to, to link any, anything that we've uh, talked about 
that I've talked about here, I'll link it in the YouTube channel. And if you want to reach out to me and you want to ask questions, uh, feel free to do so. So let me look at the, at the questions here. Uh, so for business leaders, this uh, anonymous attendee, for business leaders seeking to inherit better AI governance, uh, but are not AI savvy, what roles uh, are they uh, obligated to assume and how should they get involved in risk uh, education? This is a, a good question. So um, I think that there are, there are a lot of resources for um, getting started on this process. I'll plug our training a little bit here because, um, well, it's, it's my webinar, so I can do that. Uh, you know, we offer... We offer corporate training on on exactly these issues: AI governance, risk management, risk assessment, um, more technical bias testing or, or robustness testing, and things like this. And we are developing um, a number of courses now. So we have a course out there that is talks about AI in particular for risk and policy professionals. And so it's an AI course that focuses on what are the what do you need to know about all of these tools in terms of the techniques that are used in the context of risk? So it's sort of just what you need to know to really understand, plus a little bit more. It's actually quite a, quite a bit more, um, but, uh, but these are things that, are, that we think are really uh, important for getting at the risk. And we're also going to be offering a lot more courses uh, on, in particular, AI governance and risk management uh, so exactly the kind of stuff I went over here, we are developing a course which goes through step-by-step -step, uh, AI risk management uh, in the context of all of these different guidelines. And so what we're going to do is try to unify them in some way to come up with sort of a minimal viable governance framework and risk management framework. Um, so that's one course that we're going to be offering. We're going to offer a course on risk and impact assessments, which is one fun critical function within the risk management uh, framework uh, and, and things like this. So uh, it's out there. There are There's training out there. For Humanity also has a, a training on their risk management framework. Um, and so I would check out For Humanity University um, and, and they have a very comprehensive risk management framework and they do have courses available there. All right. Thanks everybody for, uh, let me see if there's anything else. No. Thanks everybody for showing up. Um, and uh, if you have things that you'd like us to talk about uh, here on Lunchtime Babbling, please, you know, comment. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, comment below. If you're listening to this on a podcast, feel free to reach out to us. Or if you just show up to these webinars and you know me from LinkedIn, uh, you, please feel free to re reach out to us so that we can uh, talk about the things that you're interested in, you, that you want to know. All right, have a good day, everybody.